0: welcome to sound and vision
1: conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process here's the host of sound and vision brian alfred sound and vision is sponsored by usa primed fredericks canvas supporting artists for 150 years primed in atlanta georgia with the widest variety of primed and unprimed cottons and linens on the market. I've been using Frederick's for a long, long time, and it's always been a great canvas to work on in a studio. You can find Frederick's in your local art store or at fredericksprintcanvas.com. Sound & Vision is also sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden is a company based in upstate New York and is committed to making the best artist materials for artists to make work with. You can get it in just about every art store, and online at goldenpaints.com. Emily Ferretti is a Melbourne-based artist. She received a Bachelor's of Fine Arts from the Victorian College of the Arts in Melbourne and an Advanced Diploma of Visual Arts at RMIT University in Melbourne. She completed a residency at the prestigious Green Street Studio in New York, awarded by the Australia Council for the Arts, and has also undertaken studio residencies at Gertrude Contemporary, the Australian Tapestry Workshop, and at the Cité des Arts International in Paris, awarded by the Art Gallery of New South Wales. Her work is held in major collections including at Art Bank, Monash University Museum of Art, as well as in private collections in Australia and the UK. I spoke to Emily from Melbourne about painting during a knockdown grunge music, sculptural ambitions, and much more. Here's our conversation. Yeah, so, so is it, it
0: is it um, light outside there at nine o'clock? Is it light not, outside the door? No, no not yet. It's dark. Like we've okay.
1: got yeah, we get it around like seven forty-five now. Yeah. it starts to get dark, but that's yeah great compared to the winter when it starts getting dark at like 4 p.m which is depressing
0: no, absolutely oh boy so at least yeah, we're sad.
1: we're getting it's getting a little bit warmer and we're getting yeah. longer longer it would be really depressing if it were like you know november Mid-winter. right now yeah that, that <laughs> longest day or the shortest day of the yeah. year thing would be brutal how oh, about you guys be
0: shocking well it's uh, about 11 o'clock in the morning here um yeah. and it's a beautiful day but it's, yeah, it's, it's starting to tip into cold winter soon. So, yeah, we're getting that last little bit of autumn, a bit yeah. of fall here. Yeah. That's nice. So everything's, looking, everything's looking very beautiful. We're just all inside. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, are you affected much by what's going on?
0: The lockdown here's um, been pretty incremental. And I think we're in the, you know, the, the phase at the moment. Apparently we've flattened the curve here. Yeah. And so I think there's about one more month of more extreme lockdown where we can't see our families or go out. We're allowed to go out for walks and have runs and things like that, but um, you can't go and hang out or do anything and, and all the cafes and restaurants are closed. Um, but they said after about a month, if all goes well, they'll start to lift a little thing, some little things. Yeah, yeah. and we'll, we'll start getting back to life. I'm still going to the studio. Um, How far is I, it
1: from where you are?
0: Studio is only about like a three minute drive, so very oh, nice. close. Um, yeah. In a in a big old factory that was uh, used to be a furniture factory, um, and we've all got there's about ten of us in there. and We've all got our own rooms we can lock up. So because we're all solo in there, yeah, we've opened the studios still open for everybody, so that's been amazing. Um, so it feels quite normal because you know life's very isolating as an artist anyway. So
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think. I we're, yeah. we're so used to being in our caves, you know.
0: <laughs> That's right. So it it when I'm in there, it doesn't feel like anything's ever, you know, nothing shifted. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so uh, what? Where are you? Where do you live? What part?
0: So I'm in Melbourne, in Australia. Yeah, um yeah. Melbourne's yeah, down in the um, in the east, and um, I'm in a little sort of northern suburb in in Melbourne called um, Thornbury, mm-hmm. which is. Yeah, it's probably only about 7 k's from the inner city, but it feels a lot longer than that by the time you get in with the traffic. Um, right. But I don't get into the, the actual city city much. It's because the studio is so close to the house. I just go from there to, to there and, and back again. And um, Yeah, we've got our little house here. And then the studio I've been in for probably 15, 20 years now actually, same yeah. studio complex. Yeah.
1: That's a good um, long time.
0: So Yes, it's one of those old ramshackle places that uh, hasn't been pulled down for units and houses right. and things yet. So we're still on a good thing, yeah.
1: That's great. Now, did you grow up where you are now or did you grow up no. somewhere else?
0: Um, I grew up in a place near called Riddles Creek, which is about an hour and a, a little bit from Melbourne, mm-hmm. um, on a hobby farm with my family. Uh, so it was 24 acres um, of just quite arid, dry cattle land. Um, just me and my sister, my parents, and so we were there till I was uh, started university. So for most of my life, um, so it was like farm
1: life growing up.
0: It was farm life, hobby no. farm life, yeah, not yeah. hardcore farm right, life, right. but um, yeah, I, you know, I've I've got a love hate relationship with growing up there. Like it was great, you know, as a small child, but you know, once you get to 13, I was, yeah, starting to get a bit antsy and feeling a bit stuck. Right. But especially, yeah, sort of wanting to see alternative things and see bands and wanting to do things that were in the city, it was, yeah, it was a bit tough for a few years. But now looking back and, and even with my work, it definitely filters in all the memories from growing up on a more isolated property um pretty important to I think what's coming out now um which you never know do you until years pass what some of the influences of your life are
1: it creeps up on you
0: <laughs> yeah it does yeah you sort of think oh no I'm not interested in doing that subject matter or whatever and then it's like oh actually that is in there <laughs> right, right yeah and then I wonder why and you sort of can psychoanalyze yourself a little bit. Um, God,
1: that's just that's, that's like parenting where, you know, you yeah. get away from your family that drove yeah. you crazy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, and then you re- get old and you have a, a kid and you realize you're doing the same stuff. Oh, like you follow the same pattern. It's like you're just imprinted with your life, you know?
0: <laughs> Absolutely, it's true. It, and that's even scarier, isn't it? You're like, oh, my God, I just said that. That's I never thought I'd say that.
1: <laughs> it's, yeah, it yeah. happens. It's it like does. daily. Oh you, I God. think you just get you come to terms with it after a couple of years. You are like, all right, I get it. I am just like yeah. a carbon copy here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's right. Just try to be a slightly dulled down version of the things you, you right, didn't always, want to be doing.
1: You always want to temper it. You are just like, okay, yeah. don't just be exactly like <laughs> your <Yeah>. parents. <laughs> well, when you were go- when you were growing up, were you always a drawer or creative? And how did that become part of farm life?
0: <laughs> I think. um I wasn't always drawing. I always say to people when they ask me if, if I did a lot of drawing and, and any painting as a child, I I didn't really. I I, I did it as, as much as a usual kid would do. Um, but I did do a lot more collecting um, and me and my father would go to the tip, the local tip quite a lot um, and, and forage for things that we could take home. Like so, you know, he would let me um, take home like TVs and things like that, that we could go into the shed and, and unscrew and have a look at what's going on inside. So more mechanical, um, and engineering type sculptural things I remember making and, and playing with that were really interesting and collecting lots of things. So yeah, not as much of the, the actual more traditional stuff until later, yeah, until until later, and then my you know my mum and dad are, are they aren't in the arts, but they've definitely got a creative side to them. So I would see them you know making things. Mum's very much into textiles, and Dad was good at you know tinkering and making little things that we would need. So I think just the practicality of the living on a property and being you know able to go into a huge shed with lots of crap really and and play with it was really important sort of studio practice to start off with um having your
1: creativity is kind of like out of a necessity in a way because you know you're you you've got to handle so many things yourself I would imagine you just have to and you can't be an expert in everything so you just gotta kind of like find ways to make things happen right
0: that's right exactly you know you just get some sticky tape and on all these things from the you know and some wood and things like that and I used to make whatever I wanted and and that was definitely encouraged. So I think that knowing that it was okay to make things and it actually would, you know, my parents were quite proud of the things that I was making even at an early age is really important to the practice, you know, and, and the confidence later. Now, did, um, that,
1: did that manifest itself in any ways in your creative practice, like in your, the process of how you make, do you think?
0: um I think that's still to I have to see yeah I'm not I'm not sure I think it's just given me a very clear when when we all got studios I suppose when I started university it was very natural to go into a studio and make things uh didn't go against the grain whatsoever um so I think that that definitely did see my we also had this um my parents, because we were on this property, they got a, an old train carriage actually that they got craned in from an old primary school um, that was dilapidated and full of graffiti. And they got it sort of, it just landed in our paddock one day. <laughs> and because my dad needed an extra shed. So I ended up turning that into, you know, it was like a fantasy. I ended up turning that into a, a studio when I was in late, like mid to late high school. And it was my way of getting out of the house so I could, you know, have my own freedom and probably, I don't know, have a cigarette or something without anyone knowing <laughs> something no, no. really no. naughty like that at that point. <laughs> but um it was also just a place to Yeah, that I could start making things in private. And that was definitely like a first studio that was just on my own accord, yeah, and was out of yeah, that, that innate feeling of just wanting to have a space to myself that wasn't in with anyone else except
1: yeah. it wasn't like everyone else's treehouse this was like some crazy like <laughs> this
0: was a crazy yeah and you know dad restored it so it looked like a proper train and um but he still let me just sort of have half of it to do whatever I wanted with um and so I'd be there late late into the evening making pro you know finishing off art projects for high school and things and um it was really crucial yeah
1: yeah, it's like to, where to, creativity can can blossom, you know.
0: Absolutely, yeah. You can be messy, you can be crazy. I could have I could have made whatever I sort of wanted. Um and that that experimentation and tinkering was really helpful. But you know, I had no idea how to paint or do anything. I, I was just sort of finding my way through trying trialling yeah. things. Yeah. What about
1: um music? Was that a big part of growing up or did that come in later?
0: Um Music's, I love I, I love the idea of, um, I suppose music in my early years, you know, of course, Nirvana and, and sort of the grunge in the 90s for me, you know, it was very influential when it came to, especially being out in a, a more mainstream country town, it was um, a nice thing to be able to hold on to to, to um, and, and connect with the city and, and being a bit more urban. Um, and I remember, you know, un- Nirvana's Unplugged was so important that that little cassette I had um, was the first sort of alternative music, I suppose, I heard. Um, that
1: was such an epic like, oh, event, you know.
0: Yeah, putting that in the little your little cassette player and, you know, laying, laying in bed and listening, it was like, wow, you know, it just starts your whole journey on, on sort of wanting to be a bit more alternative in all, all ways. It did for me, anyway. Um, and then you find your peers at school that were into the same thing, and you know it, it helped. But in a, in general, music isn't a huge part of my life now. Um, I don't listen like I listen to. Um, I love classical piano. I listen to a lot of classical piano, but I I couldn't really tell you who or what. It's just very random. Um, and in the studio, it is mostly podcasts. Um, and I find it really comforting to have the the human voice more than the musical when I'm working.
1: Yeah, it's funny how that so, it's e- that's either a uh, it's like a black or white thing with artists. I think where they either it's so distracting and they can't have the voice, even with music. Like some people just need yes. that instrumental stuff. And yes. There's other people who love being distracted and or like losing themselves in the story or whatever it is. You know, it's either one or the other. It's rarely it's like so, a myth. It is, isn't it? Although it I is, like, it I, is. I like the idea of you painting your paintings to a playlist of Nirvana and like yeah. Pearl Jam, and then <laughs> yeah. like Beethoven and Mozart. <laughs> I know, just like cycling it's a between. Great
0: mix. Oh no! Wouldn't that be? I know. I wonder. You know, you, you think it is. It's funny because you'd think that some deep, you know, some deep podcast that's talking about something you know very dramatic would be so distracting, but. It's amazing how it makes little impact on um, – well, no, it might make an impact on the work. I'm not sure, but it's funny how it doesn't distract. Well, I yeah. don't feel like it distracts. It actually focuses me in. Like if I don't have the headphones on with a podcast, I, I actually can't really get into it at all. Um, I'm so – the periphery too – Um, in the forefront I can hear the birds and the trees and the people next door and it's just you know I'm I'm not in it so
1: yeah I think it depends on how people are wired some people if they have silence their mind starts to wander you know what I mean and then they can't concentrate do you know what I mean like it's almost like debilitating sometimes when I have a really hard time going to sleep yeah I'll put on a podcast because then I can sort of ignore the people talking and it's not the voices in my head being like, okay, tomorrow you got to do this. you got to get yeah. this done." It's always <laughs> yeah. a laundry list of crap that I need to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, okay, don't forget to email here. you got this thing yeah. for class and all that stuff. I mean, that noise can get really... That silent yeah. noise gets loud. So sometimes just listening to someone else chatter about something can, you know, take your mind dampen. off things.
0: Yeah, dampen all those real stresses.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that are, well, go well, on. So... When, but when did the, the art moment happen? Like, was it in high school you started taking art classes? Yeah, or?
0: definitely. Um,
1: Do you have a good so teacher? I, was,
0: I, had, I had some – so our, our, our high school was just a country state school, but we, it used to be a, a technical college for boys, um, which meant that they had all these amazing rooms that had, you know, woodwork things set up and, and engineering and metalwork. So it was very tech orientated, um, which was great for me um, because I could take some of these classes. It even had um, like mechanic, like a mechanic shop sort of work, which um, of course was only like me and one other girl in it, like all the rest were just the boys taking them. But it was still really great to have that, be able to make things out of different materials. And we had a good art teacher, um, but I went to a, I don't know if you have them in the States, but, you know, when you're trying to work out what university to go to, they have like an open day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so in year 10, I um, went to an opening open day at a, at a technical college. Well, They call them TAFE colleges here, which is like a pre-university degree that you'd get and it's usually more technical.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I went to a TAFE college and it was just the first time i'd ever seen actual working studios and people in there because you know they encourage all the students to to actually be in there while the young ones come through and so i just saw all these people making paintings and drawings in their studios and uh that was definitely a light bulb the moment where because i was already taking art so i was interested um and I had a slight flair for it, but I think after that I pushed quite hard and I decided that's I really wanted to go to a TAFE college, not a uni to start off with. Yeah. Because I wanted to I wanted to really learn the technique, um, and, and get more Yeah, just get get more knowledgeable before I went into the actual like a bachelor degree. Um and so it was like, yeah, it was definitely a light bulb moment because I was very into sport at that point. So I was either going to do some sporty or arty, arty, which was totally two different like, <laughs> two different ways to go. I was very bizarre um, trying to choose, but uh, that was the moment. And I just remember coming home and thinking, that's it now. So it's all, all on. Yeah, I don't um, know. I,
1: I often draw the parallel between, because I played soccer my whole life, I still play. Right. And I draw the parallel between the two because I think they're so similar in a way. I mean, creativity oh. in sports is really important. It's what separates yes. good people from amazing people. Yeah. And the ritual of work yeah. and practice, its like practice. Yes. You know, you yes. got to practice to get good, and it's the same thing with art. You got to hit the studio every day. And there's something really obsessive yeah. about it too. You know?
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, I agree. Like, yeah, I think they are. I think at that point they felt different. They felt like different disciplines. But now, as I'm older it was really important to have that discipline of going for a run and keeping, you know, keeping fit or playing basketball or what I was doing um, in a serious way then just continued on into the studio. Um, You know, I think the work was influenced by that as well early on. So I think, yeah, there are a lot of parallels if only art prizes were the same, I always think the only thing that that, that isn't the same is um <laughs> when you who wins and who doesn't win is uh so arbitrary.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: yeah, there's not uh, not many sponsorships going on in painting studios. No.
0: So. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, all us wearing um golden T shirts or something. Yeah, for money. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Old so, Holland or something.
1: Well, um when did so as you're going to school, when did it get when did it kick into serious. a more serious I mean when you saw it's funny how seductive that is when you first see people in studios you're like wait a minute you get a space to leave yeah. your stuff and make art yes. with all these other yeah. people I mean when I saw that I was half intimidated and half I need to be in one of those spaces
0: Yeah yeah definitely you know?
1: but you got that bug
0: I got that bug and I think I also just identified with it I, I was already I was already sort of had the train carriage studio at home and you know even though I was young and I was already doing that but not in a professional way at all it was just a fun hobby thing to do and then I think knowing you know I had to get a folio together to get into university was really motivating and so um I think that I I wasn't necessarily gifted at all at, at a young age but I definitely um pushed really hard and then Made some big bigger leaps that made me feel like I can do this, um, and and got quite good at, at, tech, at technical drawing and practiced to the point where then I could start to have um, some of the more the more magical moments where the work becomes yours and not just observation. Um, and I think that those few moments early on when I was starting to you know get into the TAFE College was crucial because it's just so exciting to find your own voice you know once you know how to do some things in paint and, and draw you know in pencils and I was yeah hooked at that point um, and I just wanted to keep on going And it's just such a great you know, the sense of purpose that art gives you and and having a practice is so beyond anything um, else that it's it's such a crucial part of, of my life
1: yeah yeah well when you got to university and you were you, were you in like a a fine arts program that was had that studio centric thing and did you definitely, just yeah. did you just dive in 100 percent and sort of build that community
0: definitely yeah i think once i got in you know and you you you, you get past all your interviews and you you know that they've you know they're going to give you a shot i was all in um and had a great peer group and did did my undergrad for three years at uh a school called the Victorian College of the Arts, which is one of the main art schools in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and that has other disciplines as well. It has a uh, music, it has dancing and it has the arts. So it was like a it's like a little fame, you know. It's like yeah. that uh, movie. It was a bit like that. So we would all mingle as well, which was very exciting for a country girl. <laughs> yeah. um, and I moved into the city and, um, you know, I could just be in the studio as much as possible. Um, I also got a studio out of school at that point um, you know that was so cheap at that point that I could rent a little space which is actually where I still am but I'm in a different room now but um, when I was in undergrad I decided to rent a studio that I could go in because um, you know school hours were very set and you weren't, weren't allowed in after those hours and I was yeah really wanted to have the studio oh they did that hours. they closed
1: the doors at some point
0: they do, yeah. They certain times of the night and also the holidays, you couldn't go in in you know, the university holidays were so long and I just couldn't believe it. So I, I just rented my own studio. So in between school I would go into my studio and make things and then bring in, you know, full bodies of work at the end you know, at the start of the year again and, Yeah. and uh, everybody would be like, What have you been doing? <laughs> <I'm> like, oh, <laughs> just just making just making stuff. <laughs> um and you know, the undergrad course was very good here a lot of support um probably a bit more alternative in a way like conceptual than I was used to because the TAFE college was so technical um so I think I had a year or two of struggling to not just um I don't know struggling with the teachers I suppose and with the the program a little bit because I wanted to be a bit more traditional and, you know, their job was to teach us to think out of the square a little bit more. So right. there was a push and pull that um, I remember didn't didn't earn me very good marks because I was sort of adamant that I wanted to stick to making my landscapes and learning how to make sure the, cam- you know, stretch a really good canvas and things like that um, where I think they wanted me to obliterate all that and sort of, you know, cut things up a bit. yeah. Right. <laughs> a little yeah. uh,
1: performance art sprinkled onto your painting. That's right. A little yeah. bit of that. Um <laughs> and Which you were is a still a little bit.
0: A bit yeah, absolutely. A, tradi- I, I, in a in a in a in a sense I was a lot more back then too. Uh now now I can, you know, push things but uh I think I just I didn't believe at that point I could push things until I knew what I was doing a bit more.
1: So what was yeah. the plan as you were finishing school?
0: Um the plan was to, yeah, to keep on to have shows. Um, well, I guess you
1: had a studio too, right? So you could just yeah. transition into that pretty seamlessly. That's right.
0: So I, I did. I, and I, you know, and all of the, my peers and my friends um, would just come in and we'd have shoots together and then ask each give each other feedback and and keep the dialogue sort of happening once school ended. But you know, it's a it's a hard few years, isn't it, when you first come out um, to try to do it all on your own without It's
1: quiet, right? You yeah, get out there and you're quiet. like, wait, where'd everyone go? There's no That's one right. in my, it's funny because to, by the time you're leaving school, you're, you're pining for some quiet or like, you know, it's like all oh, these people in my studio, these critiques, you kind of want to get outside of that a little bit. yeah. And then absolutely. like, whenever you get out there, you're like, well, what the heck? It's like, super, no one cares anymore. What's going Yeah. Yeah.
0: You really have to, you really have to, um, have it inside you to just keep on going um, and not worry about money, not worry about anything um, that's going to sort of take away from the practice at that point, Um, which, you know, people get stuck. You get stuck deciding to go and work for a little bit after school and then maybe you never get back. So um, I made a pretty big commitment to not work very much, money work at that point, um, and focus in. I worked at an art supply shop and did, you know, it was really good for a few years to, to stretch other people's canvases and, and learn how to do framing and, and all those sort of things as well um, and had a little uh, sort of apprenticeship in that way, which meant that once I got into, you know, my my studio properly, I could just, um, yeah, make all, make everything I needed and not have to rely on anything. So that was good. But, I you know, after a while, I just decided that those days were taking away from the studio and it was important to make the work and try to have some shows that were, you know, that that weren't compromised. Um, So I ended up here having shows quite quickly after uni and and they, you know, I sold some things and so that was exciting (laughs) and I could keep on going and then I sold a few more things and it just sort of kept on building until... Um, I got some representation in Melbourne um, from a, a gallery which was back then quite young, and she was a, a new dealer and um, the gallery called Sophie Gannon Gallery. Um, and so she took a, a real punt on me because I hadn't shown that much yet, but she could see something in the work. And then I, you know, also just decided to take a punt on them too because I didn't know where they were sort of heading. But together we've still we're still together, and she's my manager here, and have a great relationship, um, you know. And she's she's very connected, um, and I can concentrate on my work and not have to think about all the other side of things, which is exactly what I want wanted. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, what's the? I mean, I plead total ignorance to the scene in Melbourne. I mean, I know the NGV. That's the extent. Yeah, of yeah, it.
0: yeah. But <laughs> yeah. what's
1: What is, like, um, what's the the feeling there? Like, as far as art's concerned, like, are there a lot of galleries? Or, like, is it when you're in school, is the mindset of, like, well, it's, like, is it really expensive to have a studio there? Or is it much more doable? I mean, because I, you know, the New York model is, like, nowadays, is, like, how in the world, like, my students will ask, how can I go there and afford that? It's so expensive. And there's so much competition. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of galleries, but there's also a million people who are trying to gunning for it and the studio yes. spaces are insanely expensive. What's the the scene like
0: in Melbourne? It's definitely different to where you guys are. I think it's just so much more competitive in the States, but we're a huge, huge small town really compared to where you guys are. Like Melbourne's very large when it comes to the other cities in, in Australia, but it's not, yeah, it's, it's not... Um, as packed, you know, it's not as packed in as, as you guys and there's not as many people trying to do it. But it's still very competitive. There's a lot of artists-run spaces that are mm-hmm. popping up and have been, you know, going for years and years that, that help all the, the younger artists when they first get out. You know, you have your show that you spend a little bit of money on to, to put on and, and then you hope that the commercial galleries will, you know, see them. Or, or not, if you're, you know, a painter and want representation, you, you sort of hope that they're looking at you. But I think there's a, there's a, um, the scene's very exciting and it's quite small in a way. So Sydney is another sort of hub in Australia. There's Sydney and there's Melbourne and then there's um, sort of Brisbane. So they're the three sort of main areas where there are most commercial galleries. There are some in Adelaide as well, another state here. Um, but apart from those four sort of cities, the rest of Australia doesn't have really commercial galleries. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we're all sort of pining for, you know, different galleries the way you would be in the states that are, are you know, the top of the sort of um, sort of the top of the hierarchy, I suppose. But there's very limited spots. So it's competitive still. Yeah. Yeah. And is the
1: is the desire to maybe work with people who are doing the international fairs and to connecting with other galleries? So there's an extension of showing. I mean, it's like that. You know, even people who are based in L.A. or New York or Paris or London want to show in those other major cities. I would imagine that's also a draw.
0: Definitely, yeah. I think yeah. that you know you sort of want if if, if you work if it suits the work to have multiple galleries. You know, it doesn't suit everyone to want to have that. You might want just one person representing you throughout the whole of Australia. And then, you know, a lot of artists here might have one in Australia and then one in, say, New Zealand, which is our close, you know, sister here. Yeah. Um, and or one in the States, exactly, um, or possibly London. And that, that would be, you know, this the freight's so expensive to go from here yeah. over to London or the US that sometimes you really have to, you know, wonder if it's worth it in the end right? just for the international exposure. You know, I think most people do think it's worth it. But I suppose it has to be the right gallery. It can't just be, you know, just anyone. Um, And there are a lot of... I suppose you get to this point in your career where that's on your mind. You know, it's been on my mind now because Australia is small. Once you've sold work to some of the galleries and, the, you know, the museums and once you've had maybe a few museum shows, you do have to start looking out a little bit more and um, see what else there is um, and opportunities there are elsewhere. But it takes long enough time to get very established here, so um, it's a nice scene. Everyone's very um, accepting of lots of different mediums and ways of working and very encouraging. The painting seems quite small, and I would say that in general I feel not as encouraging as it would be by what I see in the States. Um, you guys just by interactions on on instagram and in sort of media you know you guys are so excited about painting and so much more sort of fet- fetishistic than we are um, and the scene's very small here so if you're a real painter painter you sort of know each other and yeah. then everyone else doesn't really know you you know you in the same way so i just feel like the the general encouragement from people um, overseas when it comes to being a painter is very open it's so very open and and um you know i, I get a lot more feedback in away from people overseas than even in you know the, my own state yeah, yeah. The, which the sometimes fans
1: the painting fans are like diehards you know
0: oh <laughs> like people who are amazing. in the
1: painting are really in the painting
0: <laughs> yeah exactly and there's a small it's small here so if the ones that are into painting are really into painting but it feels like there's more of you over over where you are does that just that mean
1: are, does it mean like photography or performance or video or sculpture and all those things are just more um in the fore than painting yes yeah, yes
0: okay. yes i think so i don't yeah i i definitely think so in the museums they are yeah yeah and you know as usual in the commercial galleries no then it's a lot of painting but it's also quite traditional painting so
1: right
0: i think um compared to some of the galleries in the States. So we're probably not pushing quite hard enough here when it comes to, you know, pushing more alternative painting. But at the same time, it's hard because we are a small place and it generates, you know, smaller collectors, you know, smaller collecting rings and the, the institutions here aren't getting funded as much. So it's, it's a hard thing to say, you know, where, where that comes from. But um, I wish the i wish that yeah painters are probably a little bit more uh seen as a bit more critical here yeah
1: um, is the is the art scene in the area i mean a is do you have that feeling of the scene and then is it tied into music and to other sort of genre you know like people collaborating and i feel like you know social media and the internet has just really enabled people to connect in a lot of different ways. I'm sure for you too, your work getting out there across the world and in Instagram and on online yeah. platforms helps spread the word in a way. But like, what's oh, that, definitely. what's the collaborative sort of vibe there?
0: Um, there's a lot of painters that are musicians. Yeah. There's a, you know, and I, 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 I know a lot that I think have grappled with which one to go more, you know, to go forward with in a harder way earlier on and have ended up either with becoming, you know, full-time painters with the, the gigs on the side or full-time musicians with the painting, you know, stuff on the side. Um, so I definitely, see a parallel between the two. Um, and I think there's pockets of people that are painters and rockers, I suppose, you yeah. um, that, that are still doing both. And, and um collaborate, I think the alternative yeah music scenes very strong here, and Melbourne's sort of known for having great music scene. there's little alleys, and it's it's you know it's in winter, it's very cozy, and there's lots of gigs going on in in Melbourne um that you know, a lot of painters would, would are very much involved in um you know, I know the art school remember going, you know, the art schools used to have you know the the painters and rockers sort of nights where if you made work made music and made pictures and and made art that you could you know get up and perform and it used to happen all the time so there's definitely a huge um scene here but I'm not really in it so I can't tell you exactly yeah I'm not in the the music scene yeah so well
1: do you it's I think the reason I'm naturally asking some music yeah. questions with you is I feel like your paintings are very musical. Like they feel sonic. But I do that all the time, I think, where I try to like equate people's paintings to music. But with yours, there's sort of a lushness that I kind of associate with a certain kind of music. But I'm totally projecting that on the work.
0: No, that's, well, that's a lovely thing to, that's a lovely thing to to say. I can sing. (laughs) I can sing. (laughs) I do like to, I like to sing. What in another life would have been, you know, would have been great. Um, I think the work that's a, that's a lovely thing to, to hear about the work because um, I suppose there's a fluidity in the work that you might be thinking is you know and there's a harmony in the work that I'm going for um, that could be linked to the idea of a, 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 you know a song um, and pop- possibly a poeticness about some of the parts, but I think the looseness of the the mark making definitely lends itself well to the idea of a music
1: note you know it's almost chordal like some of the separations of colors that build together create like chords of yeah visual chords in the painting and then there's this relationship like what's the at this point in your process because obviously it's been a running theme like what is landscape like how does you know the imagery that you're creating resonate with what you're living around or what you're imagining how what's the the recipe of that stew so to speak
0: um well i think the the images come from my imagination and and sort of a biographical place mostly from growing up in the country and now living in a more urban area um i think back on some of those memories a lot when i'm making the pictures um And I don't go off and do plein air or any of the... I don't necessarily paint from life. So I very much want to paint from my imagination so that the images do become very dreamlike and not in this world um, and a bit more abstracted. Um, So there's a purposeful uh, sort of rejection of of trying to get in and paint what I see, um, but more paint what I feel I was seeing um, and... Trying to paint feeling is just an interesting thing to do. <laughs> it is. Um, and I suppose you, you, I'm trying to get that feeling by the mark making and the colours and thinking a lot about composition um, and making things look spontaneous when they aren't. Um, and, they've, you know, I've, I've usually got a drawing or, or I've been thinking a lot about how I want the composition before I put them down. But, you know, I like that magic of of also um, something going a bit awry and then having to do the dance with the painting again to, to, to fix the problem and, and, it, and it working or it doesn't work, you know, to, to sort of uh, you, to create um, yeah, sort it seems of dialogue like... with the...
1: Sorry, I was Sorry. just going to what say, it seems like it, uh, there's a slight parallel to the poetry in a way where you're sort of building a landscape Or an environment, or a feeling, but it's through these imagined, kind of like not very specific. You know, it's not precision. It's more about the ethereal or the ephemeral. Well, at least that's what I am interpreting from the images. You know what I mean? It's
0: yeah, definitely. I suppose it's it's like um, you know, one of the reasons I don't like to use say opaque too much opaque flat color is because. I feel like it, it it's like closing a curtain for me on the image if I put too much white into the colour. Um and I, I really want there to be uh layers um compositionally that that lead you in the way you would your eye would see a landscape or see the see the world with, with you know, foreground and background and everything in between. Um and sort of the playing with that idea of um and that intimacy with everyday life. Yeah. Um, And I suppose even like with this COVID stuff that's happening at the moment, I was thinking the other day how everyone's walking, like everyone, you know, most artists go and have a walk and we have a think and we have a look at things. And when we look at things, we look at them in certain ways. But I think there's a lot more people at the moment walking because you're allowed to walk here and that's the only reason you're allowed to get out of the house and I've been seeing just, you know, your everyday people walking and looking and they must be looking a bit more like an artist would look because it's an opportunity all of a sudden to get out of the house and see the world in a bit of a different way than they would if they were, you know, doing things very fast and going to work and running back. And, um, yeah, I like, I like my paintings to, to sort of bring that intimacy in
1: it's a bit of a uh, worldwide recalibration, isn't it? I think that's, oh, a, it's, it's a great analogy absolutely. to what artists are trying to do or constantly trying to look at environment or their environment with a, under this lens of kind of like, I don't want to say it's analytical, but, you know, just really hypersensitive to what they're seeing and what they're experiencing and always thinking about that aesthetically or visually. And yes. this, you know, anytime you recalibrate, like whether you move to a new studio or you travel, every time I travel, I get so many ideas for work. Yeah. I mean, it's just part of my work, but it's just a thing because you're, you're seeing everything differently, you know? And I think the whole world is kind of doing that right now.
0: Oh, absolutely. It is, it is. um, I think people would, would understand a lot more what, what we would be going through on a daily basis, trying to, mine, mine the world around us for ideas. Um, it's such a great way to go through the world, having the purpose to look at things for a reason. <laughs> I like yeah, it. <laughs> <definitely>. <laughs> I think it's so exciting to, to know that something could creep up on you that could turn into something, you know, that, that could change the directory of your work forever as well. Like you never know what it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it, you know, off you go and you're on another path somewhere else just from seeing something particular or a shape or a, something like that.
1: Yeah, um, for sure.
0: Certain form.
1: Have you uh, had the opportunity to do a lot of traveling?
0: Um, there's, you know, there's, a, there's an, a, an Australia Council for the Arts here that give grants and, and have had, re, you know, have residency programs that, that all of us are fighting for. And so over the years I've been lucky enough to get a few of those. Um, and I went to uh, the Cité des Arts International in Paris. Mm-hmm. So the Cité there in uh, when was this? Two thousand and eleven, I think. Um, for yeah, so I went there. So I did did a stint in in Paris, which was really amazing. And I was quite young at that point, so it was excellent to live live there and 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 go to the major museums. I was just gonna and, say
1: I can imagine you loving the Musée d'Orsay.
0: Oh my god, yeah. That unbelievable. Place is yeah. Like crazy. It's so <laughs> it's so unbelievable. All the sculpt just yeah, it was blew my mind. I think there was a James Enza, like retrospective or something on and I yeah, I'd sort of never seen so much work by one person at once and um so many new experiences and I remember telling somebody I was so sort of green and fresh at that point. I remember coming back and telling someone about one of the local um bakeries that i'd gone to and and they laughed at me because they were french and i was really just going on about like one of their very stock standard like baker's delight type um everyday bakery (laughs) and they were thinking i was pretending it was like the best thing and you have to try this place
1: (laughs) it's amazing
0: it's amazing and they're like oh my god that's just like going to mcdonald's here (laughs) (laughs) um and then i went to um well, you know, the most major, I think, residency that I've had that has been a tipping point was in 2015. So very recently when I did get to go to, you know, up to where you guys are I get to go to, to New York and I have um, three months living in Soho, um, I've been going, you know, every year I'd apply to go to this studio that the Australia Council had that was rent, you know, it had it, been, um, uh, what's it called? One think it things a rent... Um, Stabilized? It was stable, yeah, yeah Rates stabilised. And it had been, like, rent stabilised since, you know, the 80s. So the Australians had gone one after the other since the 80s. Uh, humongous, humongous um, studio and living quarters in the middle of, you know, up, up above Patagonia in Soho. Um, and so, you know, you just get in there and be able to make work, in the middle of you know the most vibrant city in the world, and so someone from Melbourne, Australia, it's it's pretty mind blowing. Especially, and you know, I was looking at uh, American folk art and early twentieth century sort of self taught sort of folk genre, and yeah. um, that was what I was doing um, in the libraries and and everywhere else, and. Um, yeah, just the, the things that I found and, you know, I, I really discovered Milton Avery's work and, and got to see some behind the scenes in some of the museums and meet some people and um, saw the Jacob Lawrence show that was on at MoMA at the time which blew my mind that was um, a good compositionally one. and it was one of the <laughs> best things. I went like 10 times in the, my time there and, um, Oh, you know, just seeing Charles Birchfield paintings and Lois Dodd paintings in the, you know, flesh and just things that I'd been looking at, you know, online and on, on, in all my books for years. Uh, so it was huge turning point. You know, going to the Strand, I think I came back with more books from the Strand than, you know, it, all my grant money went to the big boxes I had to send back to Australia <laughs> from all the, like, catalogs of, like, just things that are, you can just can't get here. I, I, it was just so exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. God, that um, makes me so like just hearing that makes me so sad because like, I want to go there, you know, cause you take yeah. for granted, like I take for granted all the things that I get to do, you know, here. Yeah. Just thinking about going to the strand and walking around and browse. I mean, you could spend a day in there just oh. getting lost and I'd really love to go there right now.
0: <laughs> oh, you know, and you know, from here you'd, you'd go on Amazon and try to get like, say, an old Alexander Calder, you know, catalogue that's yeah. only three pages. And here you'd be like, it's $50 or something just to get a tiny little thing. And then, you know, I'd go up into the Strand and they're like, this is $3. And I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, <laughs> get it, get it, get it, get it. You know, fill up the cart with all this stuff. And then I'm like, oh, how am I going to get this home? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but i knew well, the,
1: the other thing too is that, uh, you can order things online, but Strand has this feel to it. Yeah. There's like exactly a smell. Level you know, you're gonna find stuff that you can't like look for online. Like you just bump into catalogs. You know. Yeah, it's un- um,
0: it's it's in, it's an incredible, yeah, it's an incredible place. Um, yeah, I hope it's especially because it. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> and coming over solo, it was you know. Um, places like that were just so crucial too because you, you're in there all on your own just having every, you know, it's all your time. It's nothing, you know, nothing taking taking up your time, which is, you know, it's different. It's different now. My life's different now. It's got, I've got kids and, you know, partners and things like that. A partner, not yeah. partners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in case someone reads between the line with that. But, um, yeah. <laughs> So things are different. Life's been taken up in different ways than it used to. So that's another I look back on that residency in a different way now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, was, and let alone a, a giant Soho studio. I mean, that's like amazing, you know. That's oh. I, it's such a rare thing now for anyone to be there. It's it must have been such a great feel, you know.
0: It was. It was a great thing. And then you know the Australia count yeah, it's gone now. They they did sort of finally um Pull the plug on that residency after all those years, which was very sad for all of us. But um,
1: but you got in I under the water. Just
0: in the yeah, <laughs> I got in, and it was you know it was stinking hot. There was no there was no cooling up there, and it was I so I had the residency. I think it was yeah, it would have been right at the start of summer, so it was really hot. I just yeah. remember having to
1: sweating it out.
0: <laughs> just yeah, like laying under a fan with just a full wet towel over me while the fan was, co- was the only cooling I had, but it was, it was sort of great. It was great to be that sort of suffering up there. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. There's like a romance to that. It's like, oh, you feel like that's okay. what, you know, uh, you know, back in the sixties, like Judd and those people, like we're up, you know, in the same places making work.
0: Absolutely. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. And you get the, exp- yeah. You get like you're thinking of Helen Frankenthaler pouring all her paintings and, oh, just smoking your cigarettes and doing it. yeah, it's just amazing up in these big buildings. Yeah, and yeah, hanging
1: out on the roof to cool down. You know those pictures of oh, them like hanging on rooftops. Yes. Did yeah. you read Ninth Street Women?
0: I did. Yeah, I did. That's Actually, so I listened to it. I did. I did. I did the audio book. Um, that counts. So good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. I know too, not I much reading these days. <laughs> um, oh my god, it was such a great it was such a great journey. Like I couldn't stop listening, and and you really do find out how um, mischievous people were (laughs) as well. I couldn't believe some of the, you know, Clarence Greenberg and and Pollock's behaviour and things. You know, you read, you read and you you, you listen to things over time about them, but this really gave an amazing insight into the whole expression, you know, the, the whole thing with all the expressionists at that point and how they lived and how amazing it was for these women to be part of that and still break through when it was so... You know, sexist
1: yeah Lee Krasner man she was
0: oh wow what a powerhouse what a of a yeah. person oh I, yeah I loved it I loved listening to it yeah it was a really great book well that's um, cool that
1: you you must have felt like being there working there was a little resonant you know like just,
0: just yeah I understood the vistas yeah I understood what they would have been feeling and looking out of the window and seeing yeah just very foreign to us here yeah,
1: yeah. Well, um, so what do you have coming up? Like, what are you working on? Has everything slowed a little since this whole, the world, there's, the pause that the world has yeah. put on?
0: <laughs> um, I've got a big show right at the end of the year with my gallery here um, that I'm working on. So I'm hoping by November things will be, you know, the galleries will be back open. But there's been, yeah, fingers crossed, there's been, you know, some group shows and all the prizes are off at the moment. So there's definitely some things that have you know, there's a I've had to pull the plug on when it comes to making the work, but um I think we're all in a lucky position being able to make work still. So when it you know, things get back we'll all hopefully have an abundance of work that has somewhere to go.
1: Definitely. Do you have um do you kind of see the show? Do you know what the work is gonna be or are you still formulating and then like what scale and what scope of work?
0: I'd actually um I'm actually hoping to tinker of course there'll be paintings and there'll be drawings um and still landscape but i I um I think' there's gonna be a bit more vastness to this work and it might not be as cluttered with gesture so but that's that's all I can know right now I would like to tinker with a bit of um sculptural work but I'm saying that, but so we'll see. I, I always say that, and then they never end up going and <laughs> getting into the show because so I don't ever think they're quite they quite fit. But, um, yeah, my, my aim at the moment is to get some things cast and see how it, it works with the imagery. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. i so sort see. of thinking about that at the moment. Yeah, so getting into, I think this this COVID nineteen stuff has yeah made me want to. Cause things have slowed down as it's, it's made me want to just step back a bit and maybe try some things that may get into the show that I haven't done before.
1: I think that might come out of this as a little bit of like, Man, What the hell? I'm just gonna yeah. do this, you know? What do I got? You know what I mean? Like, well, exactly. why not? Why not?
0: Exactly, which is anyway, good. And there's things, yeah, I, I think that this is all that this is sort of the time everyone wants when they have deadlines, isn't it? Yeah. They want people not. You know, you say next year I'm going to say no to things, and, and then something comes up and you say yes to it, and you you know over, overrun again with the deadlines and trying to make work with that sort of pressure that isn't good for the work. But I think um, in at the moment this sort of stuff's going to be really good for everyone so to slow too. down. Yeah. Have you got? Have you? Have things? You know, been postponed for you. Well, I was—I
1: to be honest, I was kind of lucky because I had a solo in New York not too, like, just a few months back before. So, you know, that kind of happened, and I have like the stuff that's on the books was for 21 at this point. So, I have some time. Um, So,
0: how are other artists feeling over there? They—is there some is people feeling um, quite um, flat? Or is there
1: a lot of hope? I think there's... I think everyone's got this kind of... I mean, it's... There's a feeling of... Like, an odd, unprecedented feeling of not knowing how things might... Like, what the pacing of this thing is and how long, you know, everything just stops. But... Yes. um, I think at the same time, people are taking their own... Like, the power in their own hands to make what they can, given the circumstances. And I think there's a real kind of persistence that i've noticed you know i started another podcast called brave new world that's um it's not just artists it's you know actors it's um chefs it's musicians it's athletes talking about how they're dealing with this sort of thing and i you know after you know having like 20 of them done so far there's this recurring theme of of people just feeling like you know, yeah, this is tough, but you just I just gotta keep doing what I'm doing and find ways to to stay yes. active. You know, it's kind of like
0: yes.
1: creative people are like that. Like positivity through trudging through and, and if you think about, you know, like my favorite I say it all the time, people are probably sick of me hearing it, but Guernica <laughs> uh, it I Guernica is my favorite painting of all time. And I mean yeah. that painting was born out of absolute horror and strife. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. And I think a lot yeah. of times when people are tested creativity really shines that light through the window, you know, to where people can... And I love those memes online of people like, oh, you don't think art matters in life? What are you doing during the quarantine? Watching Netflix, oh, listening yeah. to music, reading books, you know, <laughs> like all the arts is know, like the, the great escape. And if you didn't have that, you know, what would it be? So I think I, know, I think right, everyone has you know, that.
0: The film, especially film at the moment, just the number of people that are watching films... And then film, you know, just especially here, it's not funded very well. Um, it's crucial to sanity, like, you know, really, at the yeah. moment, having that outlet into the outside world too. Um, you know, there was a huge, you know, there's been huge bushfires in Australia earlier in the year yeah, um, I remember that's that. devastated, you know, it, it's very devastating, like huge impact on, on the society here. Um and the first people to give and you know, I gave things and all my peers gave uh work to fundraisers and things to help everyone here. And it's you know, we're the first ones to give and it's also we're also the first ones to sort of get no money. <laughs> so, you know, it's just it is always like that. Yeah, we're you know, we're so open as an artistic community to, to be help helpful and help others with what we can do. Um it'd be nice that we came back.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um that's great. One one last question. Yeah. I, I can't let this go because I yeah. it's been I've been thinking about it in the back of my head. What's yeah. your, what was your sport?
0: I was a runner. Yeah. A oh, runner. Running. So it's a sort of a, it's a sport. Yeah.
1: Of course. <laughs> Athletics,
0: it is. yeah. Loved I loved running. I was a middle sort of middle distance. Um yeah. I still love running, but it's yeah. I'm feeling a it's, bit old for it at the moment. Running's
1: hard. <laughs> it's hard on the body, it's isn't really it? It's really
0: hard. It is. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's not the same. Yeah. I
1: need I need Since that soccer had, ball yeah. in front of me to, like, entertain me. Like I'm like a, you know, a cat with a mouse or something. I just need that thing to chase after to keep me from, you know, forgetting that I'm running for 90 straight minutes. <laughs>
0: That's right. Mike, you, you just need like to chase. I think when I see people kicking soccer balls and, and being so just fluent with the kicks, it's just such an amazing thing to watch because it's so jarring as well it's such a jarring sort of thing to think that you have to kick something in front of you and then run after it and kick it again and then flick it behind you it's amazing it's just sort of different to um watching a ball being thrown like that's it's yeah i can imagine how it would feel to be really good at soccer Oh, I, love I'm,
1: I miss playing. It's one of the hardest things being stuck in here. I'm pretty good with everything else, but not playing is really.
0: What kinda... was your What was your um, position?
1: I played pretty well, midfield. And yeah. as I've gotten older, I've played more defense, but I play offense okay. too. I play it all. Great. Everything but oh. goalie. I'm not going to be a goaltender. No, I'm no. i terrible <laughs> at it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, not, that's not for me. It's a, it's a really like thankless position. You can't yeah. win. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no. You're either a goalie or you're not, isn't it? You're either totally a goalie yeah. or you're not going to – yeah. Yeah, they're amazing though.
1: But the, old, yeah. the, old, the former director of the uh, school where I teach – yeah. Um is from Australia and he got me into the uh, Aussie Rules football watching the AFL which was a lot of fun.
0: What was his name?
1: Graham Sullivan. Right. Oh. And um I was I'm really impressed with AFL because they're A it's just so violent. Oh. <laughs> but like rugby is too, but the really impressive yeah. thing about it, I remember the first game I was watching Someone got massively injured and they oh. don't stop the game and the guys come out with a stretcher and they're still playing. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's in, It's insane. I think um, it's so funny because you see them on, you know, you see footy players on screen here and they look, you know, in, in a, on a huge field they look like these sort of small small but very tough people. But, you know, when you're walking around and you see an AFL player, they're humongous.
1: Oh, they're, yeah. Um,
0: and so built. And so they just are bouncing off each other like balls. It's un- it's unbelievable um, the things they have to go through. I know they're just like they jump up, they, they go for a big mark and then maybe do their knee and exactly no one looks twice. They're like, here's off, okay, keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> just
1: keep, don't oh, even blow well. the whistle. Just keep Don't rec- even
0: worry. Just go get him and, and put, chuck him out the back. It is such a tough, tough sport. And there's um a huge women's uh, league started uh, about a year or two ago here. Yeah which is a, a big, big thing because it's always just been a, a man's sport. So um, it's really exciting for some of us that like sport to see the girls get into it. Though, you know, still there's lots of pay equality and, you know, they ha- it's starting from scratch, but right. it's definitely building momentum and it's probably going to become quite a, a huge thing um, soon. So that's that's exciting for Aussie sport. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's, a, it's a tough population you got there. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, I people, think yeah, we have to be, tough. don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all uh, right. Well, thanks we so much right. for talking Thank to me. Thank you, Brian. Oh, this not was... a problem. Thank you. It's a real honor to to be asked to have a chat and I love the podcast. It's been great listening to insights from all you know, mostly you, you know, mostly US artists really that I've some of them which I follow, so it's it's great when I I'm um getting to hear their voice as well as see the work. So thank you Thanks. for no, doing great. the podcast.
1: Thanks so much. Hey, Sound and Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find out more about the podcast on the website, soundvisionpodcast.com. You can see more images on instagram at sound and vision podcast give it a follow you can find out more about my work at brianalford.net or on instagram at alfred studio many thanks to michael lovett for the introduction lulaton for the intro music evan marion for this outro music many thanks to emily ferretti for being on the podcast make sure you check out her work online go to our website or to instagram Also, many thanks to all of you for rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes. It really helps spread the word and get the podcast in the right people's ears. Many thanks to those of you who listen to Brave New World podcast. The podcast I started It's a project for creative people to speak about how they're dealing with the COVID environment. Um, It's not just artists or musicians. It's also designers and creative people from all walks of life actors musicians illustrators all sorts of people so make sure you check that out it's called brave new world podcast you can get it on itunes uh, google podcasts anchor spotify all the platforms many thanks to golden paints for their sponsorship and for Frederick's Canvas for their sponsorship as well, and supporting my podcast. Make sure you go out and check out their stuff at any art supply store that you stop at or order from now online. Hope everyone's doing well. Stay strong out there, and hopefully we'll all get out to those studios and galleries and museums real soon. More great podcasts coming up soon. Stay tuned.